So good morning, church. Uh, got some feedback last week that uh, people were concerned that I might not be able to get my 60-year-old body up on the stool again every week while we do this. So uh, Karen uh, in the office got me this cute little chair. So uh, if you're worried that I was going to fall or that I looked uncomfortable, maybe I'll be more comfortable this year or this, this week as we do this. So uh, thanks for uh, tuning in with us today. Um, a couple of things. Uh, to keep in mind as we look at this text from Ezra today is, is this. Ezra is going to recount to us in chapter 8 uh, his trip, the trip he took uh, from Babylon all the way to Jerusalem with about 5,000 uh, people, mostly uh, folks who are going to help him serve in the uh, temple there in Jerusalem. Uh, and so as we look at that today, I think it's important for us to understand uh, something about our situation, and that is we too are on a journey. Uh, not unlike uh, Ezra, uh, we are on a journey to God's city. Uh, and uh, that uh, journey, as we'll see, is uh, not like uh, an interstate highway or uh, a, a jet to, to take us someplace, but it's a long journey uh, fraught with some danger and some pitfalls. And so uh, we're certainly in a journey now. Many of you are probably thinking that, you know, you can't wait for this journey through the coronavirus to be over. Um, but the truth is, uh, until we get to glory, uh, we are we are journeying uh, people. We're pilgrim people. So that's a it's a good thing for us to keep in mind as we look at this again. A couple, uh, as Kevin mentioned to you before, you know, then the call to worship. We looked at the word near. Uh, just like we did last week, I want you to see in the text today uh, this phrase, uh, the hand of God was with us, right? That the hand of God is still upon his people uh, as they take this journey. So uh, I know if you look in the, if you're able to look and see the text there in front of you, there are uh, 36 verses there. And if you've already looked at the beginning, there's a lot of names there. We're not going to do those. I'm not going to read those verses. We're going to pick a few verses out that uh, highlight for us uh, the things that I think are most important uh, uh, that the Lord wants us to hear and think about today. So uh, let me pray, and then we'll jump in here on uh, on uh, Ezra chapter 8. Uh, join me in prayer. Father, as we come to you today, we confess that... Um, even though we've been at this for a few weeks now, it's still disorienting. Uh, it's still uh, strange. And yet the gospel is still true. You are still the Lord. Uh, we are still your people, beloved, redeemed. Uh, and you take joy uh, in what we're doing today in homes, uh, maybe in uh, other places uh, as we're scattered and yet gathered. You are in the midst of your people, your blessing, uh, your opening eyes, ears, and hearts, just as you do on a normal uh, worship time. And so I pray uh, today that you would use uh, what we do and what we're doing, wherever we are, for your good purpose. Uh, Lord, I'm so thankful today that there are no boundaries for the Holy Spirit, uh, that the Spirit goes where it will. And so today, would you go to the homes and hearts of your people, strengthen and encourage them, bring to mind the truth, and stir within them uh, gospel graces of hope, generosity, 
perseverance uh, and strength today. Would you do that, Lord? We pray in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, so what's happened here is Ezra uh, has, uh, uh, wants to take this group of priests back uh, to Jerusalem to uh, further the work that's there. Uh, and he has asked King Artaxerxes there of the um, uh, Persian Empire if he can do it. So look down there at verse 21, chapter 8, uh, as he's getting ready to go. Uh, he's listed out all the people and all the stuff that they're going to bring and, and that sort of stuff with them. He says this, Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahava that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him a safe journey for ourselves, our children, and all our goods. For I was ashamed, this is a great verse, for I was ashamed to ask the king for a band of soldiers and horsemen to protect us against the enemy on our way since we had told the king... The hand of our God is, is for good on all who seek him, and the power of his wrath is against all who forsake him. So we fasted and implored our God for this, and he listened to our entreaty. What, what a great text. I think it's a pretty profound, a very human uh, text, right? Um, because what's happening here is uh, Ezra's getting ready to go, and as he's getting ready to go, it's almost as if you can sense he's thinking, when I went to the king, I said, hey, our God is so great. I bragged on him so much that I said, forget sending soldiers with us. We're fine. And as the time draws near for him to go, he thinks, I witnessed to the king about the grace and the power of my God. Uh-oh. <laughs> I turned down the offer of soldiers we got a thousand miles to go. We're carrying th uh, thousands, millions of dollars of gold and silver. Wow. We really need God to come through. We have an opportunity during this time. Because if you've borne witness to Jesus Christ, to the power of his life, death and resurrection. If we've bragged on him to our friends, to ourselves. We have an opportunity, God has an opportunity, Jesus has an opportunity to make that witness uh, come to bear and come to fruit in real time and space in our lives. Ezra needed the Lord to protect him. It's a thousand miles. They're carrying gold and silver. They've got men, women, and children. He needs protection. And because he has told the king that his God is so great, king, we don't need your soldiers. I think this is a pretty profound thing for us. And, and it kind of gets at, at, at our, our perspective as we walk through a, a tough time uh, like this. Um, because a, a, a couple of things to, to think about in, in this is, um, as we'll see in a few weeks, when Nehemiah made the same trip, like 10, 15 years later, he does go to the king, and he does ask for troops to protect him. Interesting. Is Nehemiah faithless and Ezra faithful? No, they both are men of God doing what it is that God has called them to do. The same thing could be true of us today, right? We might, you and I, as we walk through this period of time, might draw different conclusions about what the best thing to do uh, in ministry, what the best thing to do in generosity, what the best thing to do is in caring for folks. And yet we're both people who are uh, seeking 
the Lord who believed that the hand of our God is upon us, that he is good and that he's gracious and that he's merciful. But we might disagree about uh, how how we, we go about that. Uh, one of the things that uh, I, I've already talked with some folks about is, you know, our, our government just passed this massive bill. And I guess a lot of us, some of us anyway, are going to get checks in a few weeks. And so I'm sh- I'm certain uh, people are going to do different things with those checks. Some people I've heard are have already made the determination they don't really need the money. And so they're going to give it away. Other folks. uh uh, are being faithful in the same way by saying, you know what, I'm going to hold on to this and see how things uh, uh, work for me in the next few weeks and months. Both are good. Both are fine. Both are coming from faith. Uh, and, and, and one is not uh, better than the other. So I think it's a profound thing for Ezra here as he goes and he does this. He says, we've bragged on God. God will protect us. So we're going to fast and we're going to pray and God's going to hear us and he's going to respond to us. Um, this is a great thing. One of the things that one of the principles that you can draw from this is as we're faced with a journey that's fraught with danger, as we're faced with an opportunity to to see God come to uh, bear, uh, to see his grace and mercy come to bear in time and in space and dangerous circumstances. One of the things I want to urge upon all of us during this time is that we not waste this time. <laughs> right. That we not waste it. What do I what do I mean by that? Uh, well, I think I think there's a, a, a couple of things that could happen. Ezra is not wasting this time. He is seeking God in the midst of this. And he realized he's living in a dangerous time. He's taking a dangerous journey. And so he's not going to waste the time. He's going to call his people together. They're going to pray and they're going to fast and then they're going to go and they're going to see how God meets them in that. Uh, the same thing is true for us now. Uh, uh, we have an opportunity uh, to use this time under the sovereign hand of God, because God has brought this situation into our lives to figure out what does he have for me in this? What's he got for us? What's he going to teach us? How's he going to meet us? How is he going to raise up along the way uh, monuments to his grace and mercy about how he provided, how he encouraged, how he helped Um, and a lot of this boils down to perspective and, and the perspective that you have, not just on your situation, uh, but on the God who holds you in his hand, whose good hand is upon those that he loves. Uh, this week, uh, uh, I was out uh, one day running at Deep Run Park. And one of the things that's, I don't know if this is, if all of you have had this experience or not, but. Uh, in the neighborhoods around our house and the park, uh, apparently a lot of people have taken chalk to the paths and written all these great, you know, encouraging messages. You know, don't my favorite. Don't worry. Be happy. You know, right there out of the Gospel of John. Just kidding. And then uh, all, all these all these other things like flowers and all this is really sweet, really sweet. It's great. Keep doing it. Put some Bible verses out, though. But, yeah, keep doing it. Well, one of the things, one of the, I, was, I was running and I was doing my, what I, not really running, I call it my social distance shovel, shuffle. As I'm just kind of shuffling along, I got my head down, you know, because you don't want to look at people or cough at them or anything. And as I'm, as I'm running a, a, along, I see these words up ahead of me on the path. 
And as I'm getting close to it, I begin to read it. And it says, this got you. (laughs) I thought, that is the most discouraging message imaginable. This got me. How terrible. Who wrote that? I'm out here struggling. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be doing this. This got you. That's terrible. And then I thought, wait, that's not what it says. It says you got this. Oh, oh, that's much better. And then I thought, well, no, that's not so great either, because I really don't. But I could say that to Jesus. Jesus, you got this. See, it's a matter of perspective, isn't it? One of the things that we're doing and one of the things that you can do uh, uh, that maybe you're tired of doing or, or, or you've been frustrated with is washing your hands, right? Uh, kids, wash your hands. Moms and dads, wash your hands. Grandparents, wash your hands. Everybody, wash your hands. A lot. You should be doing it several times a day. Soap and water. Happy birthday to you, right? Wash your hands. Don't waste that time while you're washing your hands just to be washing your hands and thinking, I'll be glad when this is over so I don't have to wash my hands anymore. Funny, that's kind of interesting. But think about the fact that as you wash your hands to remove that virus, even more surely Jesus Christ has washed you. And that deadly virus that was on your hands, Jesus has cleansed you permanently and wonderfully from the terrible scourge of sin. So I know that's a simple thing and it may seem simplistic. And I'm certain that some of you are hearing that and you may even be scoffing at that. But what I urge you to do this morning, just as Ezra looked at the journey he was on and 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 did whatever he could to turn towards God, to experience the hand of God upon him. Here's an opportunity for us five, six, seven, eight times a day when you wash your hands just for a few seconds to say, Jesus, thanks for washing me clean. I stand clean before you because you have washed me in your precious blood. So I, th- I think that's a I think that's a pretty uh, uh, important uh, way, just one simple way in the midst of this, uh, that you can actually have a devotional moment while you do that. Um, the second thing that I uh, uh, I, I want to say to you, too, is uh, as we walk through this time, what, what is it that Ezra does? Ezra recognizes that he's borne witness to King Artaxerxes about his God. He says, our God is so powerful that he will protect us on a thousand mile journey, that he will keep uh, thieves away from us, that he will keep bandits away from us, that he will see us through. So we don't need your armed escort. Literally, God is our armed escort. Now, it's interesting. We don't know what uh, uh, King Artaxerxes, we don't know what he thought about that. We know that uh, King Artaxerxes was a pagan. He worshipped many gods, uh, gods of uh, fertility, uh, gods of uh, military uh, prowess, gods of uh, agricultural prowess, those sorts of things. And so he had a lot of different gods that he could pull out of his pocket, giving depending on whatever uh, the situation was for him to worship and, and to, to cry out to. And so as I think about that, I think, you know, I I have a lot in common with King Artaxerxes. 
I have a lot of gods that I try to pull out of my pocket, like uh, information, uh, knowing uh, uh, and, and, and weighing in on what's happening and checking in on my bank account and, and trying to figure out what the stock market is doing, those sorts of things in the midst of this uncertainty. Now, there's nothing wrong with being a good steward, but when we trust – and entrust ourselves to our own gifts or the gifts of other people to created things to comfort us and to see us through times like this. We're just like the pagan king. We are seeking our comfort and our grace, our strength from created things. Created things are not in control. Jesus is in control. You and I are not in control. We've lost control. Uh, that's one of the ironic things about the fall. Adam and Eve's attempt to gain control actually ended up robbing us of control. We don't have control, but our God does. And so that's the person. He's the one that we turn to in the midst of these times for certain, clear, sure guidance and provision. Um, I, I have, I've been amazed this week uh, to think a little bit about this. And, and one of the things that I think is a thing that we could fall, a trap that we could fall into uh, is uh, having uh, Rachel Maddow, Wolf Blitzer, Sean Hannity in our ears more than Jesus. And so I urge you not to stay uninformed, but to be informed, certainly, to pay attention to the news, uh, but to also cultivate within you an opportunity to, as Ezra did, re-remind yourself, experience again with freshness that God loves us and he has his hand on his people and that he will see us through. Uh, the gospel is always precious but it is even more precious when you see how little you have under your control and how little uh, uh, power you have in and of yourself to walk through this time. So when you seek that power from Jesus, when you seek that power from the one whose hand is upon you and that hand that is upon you has a hole in it, bearing in his hand the wounds of his sacrifice for you. That's where real comfort, that's where real strength ultimately is going to come from. And so uh, you would think after all this time, after uh, Ezra has has uh, uh, bragged to the king about how awesome his God is, borne witness to that. After he's gathered his people together and they prayed and, their fa- and they fasted, they, they go on their journey. It takes them about four months to get to Jerusalem. And so what we read uh, in, in, down in verse 31 is the report of the journey. Then we re- departed from the river Ahava on the 12th day of the first month to go to Jerusalem. The hand of our God was on us, and he delivered us from the hand of the enemy and from ambushes by the way. And that's it. <laughs> you know, if you were if you were a um, a Hollywood uh, screenwriter or uh, uh, writing a script for this, you'd be like, wait a minute. Like, that's the most important thing. 
like, you know, the guys hiding behind the rocks that are going to come out and, 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 and steal and, 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 and kill people. Or, or you might be thinking, you know, where, where's all the, you know, the, uh, how God's protecting him in the midst of this. Just like so much about the Bible, sometimes it's so frustrating to us. The important thing is this. They prayed. They recognized and believed that the hand of God, the good hand of God, was upon those whom he loved. And simply over four months, traveling a thousand miles through a dangerous time and place, they experienced it. And so all you need to know is the hand of our God was on us and he delivered us from the hand of the enemy and from ambushes along the way. How did Ezra know that he was delivered from an ambush? And and that's the whole point of an ambush, right? It's a surprise. How did he know that he was delivered? Because he didn't have any. How did he know that he was delivered from enemies? How did he know that? Because he didn't meet any enemies along the way, right? And so uh, it's a it's a pretty powerful picture to us as, as we look at this to see God heard his people. He responded to them. And as they, as they walked through this time, his hand was upon them and delivered them from the hand of the enemy and from ambushes, by the way. Um. The virus is kind of like an ambush, ambusher, right? I mean, the, uh, one of the things, uh, I, I need to take my own medicine about what I, I tell you. I've been on Twitter reading the accounts of people all over the world who've had the virus and what it's like for them. Uh, don't do that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, but one, one of the things, one of the things that I, uh, have learned in that as, as I've, I've, I've done that is in a, in a way to try to figure out and, try to kind of manage my anxiety and that sort of thing. It doesn't really, uh, it, it doesn't, it doesn't really, it doesn't really work. Right. And so as we kind of take that information in and as we kind of, uh, uh, walk through this time, one of the things that I realize is, you know, what does protection look like during the time of this virus? Certainly we should pray that, that we don't get it and that none of the people that we know and love would get it. We should certainly pray for the alleviation of suffering. We should pray for healing. We should pray for rapid development of vaccines and medicines. We, we should pray that all of those things happen and we should lean into that, that our God would intervene in a way like that, that would show people his power and his good hand upon all that he has made. But what does protection mean? If I get the virus and I get sick, does that mean God didn't protect me? What does that mean? Well, I think I think one of the ways that we have to to answer that question is um, uh, if God forbid that that were to happen to me or to you or to someone we loved, um, how are we to think about God's protection in that context? Well, um, it stinks, and I think we have an opportunity to lament and grieve that when it happens. But at the same time, what we have to see is, even if this were to happen, those whose hand, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the hand of God is upon, those of us 
who know the gospel, those of us who uh, have the love of God uh, at work in our in our hearts and lives, those of us who have entrusted ourselves uh, to Jesus Christ, know that the virus, even if it kills us, and I know that's hard to say and hard to hear, does not get the final word. And that ultimately has to be our hope, right? Um, the same thing is true of the disruption that we experience, right? You may be thinking, well, my business is in the tank. My job just went away. How is God protecting me? Well, I, I, I can't uh, tell you that, you know, uh, uh, to go uh, that, that somehow or other God's going to do something miraculous to um, uh, restore that. But I do know this. I do know that in the end, uh, if you're in Christ, we have his promise that uh, though he was rich for our sakes, he became poor so that we through his poverty might become rich. And so the ultimate protection that we have in our God, the ultimate protection of the hand of our God being upon us is that he delivers us uh, from the ultimate enemy of sin and death. Jesus Christ succumbed to the virus of sin and death so that the virus of sin and death in the final sense has no power over me. And so what do we do? How do we think about that? And how do we manage that in in the life uh, that we live now? Well, I think what it does is we need to pour our time and energy uh, into uh, living the life that we can live during this period of time. I think we pour ourselves into uh, seeing and entrusting and asking God to help us to see his good hand, helping God, helping us to see his good protection, helping us to believe that even as we walk through this world, there are ambushes out there that he is protecting us from, just as he did uh, Ezra and his people uh, and that in the end, uh, just as Lent ends with the empty tomb, the end of our journey is glory. It's a hard journey. And I, as your friend and pastor, I suspect it's going to get harder. But that... Hardness and difficulty uh, does not uh, mean and does not put us in a situation where the hand of our God is not upon us. It is. We know that. And we entrust ourselves to that. Don't waste this time uh, as a time to see and to learn. Uh, and to entrust yourself more. Don't waste this time uh, as an opportunity to, to repent, as I have been uh, repenting a lot this week of uh, entrusting myself to my comfort, to my convenience, uh, uh, to the things that I've looked to in good times uh, as my provider, my protector. Uh, if one, one thing this uh, journey will do for us will clarify the nature of God's love and his care for us in Jesus Christ. Uh, Would you pray with me?
Lord, as we uh, come to you uh, now, uh, we confess that uh, it is uh, it's a challenging time, a hard time, but you know that. Uh, you made us. You understand our weakness. You understand that we are dust. But, oh, Lord, uh, the gospel tells us that you love this dust, uh, that we matter to you, uh, that our lives matter to you, that you know us and that you care for us. Lord, I, I pray today for those who are sad and overwhelmed. Um, I pray that you would uh, remind them today that uh, you are with them and that you're for them. Jesus, I pray that the cross would become more precious to us. I pray that the empty tomb would come, become more precious to us um, than uh, our comfort uh, in uh, created things. Forgive us for uh, worshiping at the altar of the stock market or the altar of uh, um, good health or the altar of, um, well, just our own wits and smarts. And I pray that you would help us uh, to entrust and to worship more at the cross of Jesus Christ, uh, the Lord, uh, the one who has uh, purchased us and been victorious on our behalf. So bless us now, Lord, as we turn to you and as we confess our sins, uh, would you, uh, well, just meet us, comfort us, show us your cross. We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you confess uh, your sins with me by using the confession that's uh, uh, printed uh, there, or printed there on the screen? Pray with me. Pardon our sins, merciful Lord. We have been fearful and proved to seek safety in our own resources. We have been slow and superstitious in prayer. These sins lead to so many others. Keep us from withholding true worship from you, which your glory is due and which our hearts so urgently need. Wipe out our sins, known and unknown, felt and unfelt, remembered and forgotten. Grant us power to believe your blood cleanses us from all sin. Your spirit leads us in all prayer. Your grace overwhelms all evil, and your good news is our soul, life, and message. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, have mercy. 
hear these words of encouragement from Hebrews 7, verse 25. He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them.